For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mmm, mmm. Grilled onions and a butter bagel, too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mmm. I participate in McDonald's. Hey, everybody. Four years after the brutal arrest and death of Sandra Bland, we just now learned that she actually filmed her own arrest. I've shared the video, but I want to unpack and explain who hid it, who benefited from hiding it, why they did that, and what the video shows us. Let's dig in. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The the, the Breakdown. The the, the Breakdown. It's absolutely heartbreaking how many victims of police violence we now know by name. Four years ago, a young black woman named Sandra Bland moved from Chicago to rural Texas to work at Prairie View A&M. That's a wonderful black college that she graduated from back in 2009. And Sandra had just taken a job there at Prairie View. And I've been to the campus. I spoke there And I actually got a chance to retrace the steps that Sandra took on the day that she was arrested. Because on July 13th of 2015, Sandra Bland took a simple right turn right off of the main street of her college campus. And she saw a police car speeding behind her. I mean, it was roaring. And as a courtesy, Sandra moved her car over to the right to get out of the way of the police car. And when she did so, she didn't use her turn signal. So the officer, Brian Encinia, pulled her over. And let's be clear, it was an empty road right in front of a black college campus. This was always about racial profiling. And Sandra Bland knew from the jump that her being pulled over was bogus. And for Brian Encinia, this stop was never about turn signals or traffic violations. It was about white power. And it burned him up when he got to the window of Sandra's car and saw that she was a proud, informed, strong black woman. He was completely unnerved. And immediately, it became a power struggle for him. And as soon as Sandra Bland really understood that this wasn't a traffic stop, she did something that we never knew she did. Now, the police knew it, and local prosecutors knew it. But for four years, they kept this thing a secret. When Sandra Bland saw that Officer Brian Encinia had crossed multiple lines in his confrontation with her, and that there was more to this than simply giving her a ticket, she grabbed her cell phone and began filming him. We never knew it. Her family never knew it. The video is just 39 seconds long, but it's literally the most important piece of evidence in this case. And not just in the case against Brian Encinia, but against the Waller County Jail and the local prosecutors who concealed it. And that they kept this evidence a secret for four years, never releasing it to the public until local journalists started digging around and found it themselves. 
that they kept this evidence a secret from Sandra's family, from her dear mother and sisters, from the attorneys for her family, is not just disgusting, it's deeply unethical, and it speaks to a cover-up. Now, I want to play the audio for us, and I've shared the video across our social media channels, but it's painful to watch. And without any reason, Brian Encinia opens the door to Sandra Bland's car, and he's ready for a physical confrontation. And that was illegal, actually, because an officer has to have reasonable suspicion of a crime to open your door. And no such thing existed. He opens the door to Sandra's car. Then he pulls out his taser, pulls it out from his holster, turns it on. You can see it light up. And then he sticks his stun gun right in her face and tells her, I'm going to light you up. Let me play the audio for you. Then I'm going to come back and we'll break it down. Get out of the car now. Why am I being apprehended? You're trying to give me a ticket for your failure. Get out of the car. Why am I being apprehended? You just opened my car door. You just opened my car door. So you're going to get threatening to drag me out of my own car. Get out of the car. And then you're going to stun me? I will light you up. Get out. Wow. Now. Wow. Get out of the car. For a failure to signal. You're doing all of this for a failure to signal. Get over there. Right, yeah. Yeah, let's take this to court. Let's do Go it. Ahead. For a failure to signal. Yep, for a failure to signal. Get off the phone. On my school. Get off the phone. I'm not on the phone. I have a right to Put record. This is down. my property. This Put is my property. Down. Sir? Put your phone down. <gasps> right now. Right now. Right now. In his official report, which we always knew was a lie, State Trooper Brian Encinia said that he feared for his life and safety with Sandra Bland on multiple occasions. Now, of course, that was a lie. And when he said so on his official reports, he actually committed perjury. And when he forced Sandra Bland to turn off her phone, which we now know he did. Now, she filmed him for 39 seconds. But when he forced her to turn it off, he again did so in violation of the law. You are allowed to film an officer. And she did nothing, absolutely nothing to warrant an arrest, to warrant being pulled out of the car, to warrant being threatened with that stun gun. And you are allowed to film the police if you aren't under arrest. But again, none of this was ever about the law. This was about white power and toxic masculinity and the need for a white man to show this black woman who was boss. Making her get out of the car was about that. Making her put her phone down was about that. And as soon as Sandra Bland turned off her phone, Officer Brian Encinia began his assault of her. And we can see just a little bit of it from his dash cam, and he brutally slams her right on her head. Because we've been forced to speculate, I have to say and and only wonder, did slamming her on her head on the concrete, did that cause a traumatic brain injury right there? Sandra Bland, we know, also suffered from epilepsy, which is centered in the brain. Slamming on her on her head could have worsened the nerve problems there. And again, because we clearly aren't dealing with honest people, we've been forced to make educated guesses. What I do know is that at the end of this video, I hear Sandra Bland clearly telling this officer that she plans on taking him to court. And I think it was this statement, combined with her understanding of the law, of her rights, and her letting this officer know that she knew her rights, 
that made his blood boil even more. Remember, she was pulled over for failure to use a turn signal. Bernie Sanders said it on Twitter last night. If Sandra Bland was white, she'd be alive right now, period. Brian Encinia never would have opened the door of a white woman for failure to use a turn signal. He never would have taken out a stun gun on a white woman, turned it on, stuck it in her face, and told her he was going to light her up. He never would have slammed a white woman on her head. And we know this because he literally never did such a thing to a white woman in his entire career. I checked. Brian Encinia knew he was being filmed. But the prosecutors in this case, who were supposed to be prosecuting him and protecting Sandra Bland, who was his victim, hid this video from the public and from the family. And that gets to a central point that I need to break down for us. Break it down. The United States has 2,300 district attorneys. And I'd say that about 2,285 of them, in other words, about 99% of them, are so closely connected to police officers and police departments that they will never, ever hold them accountable. And let me surprise you for a minute, because I don't think I've studied any issue in my life more than what's happening with district attorneys in the United States. It may surprise you to hear me say this, I actually think it's unfair to expect them to prosecute police fairly. They literally work directly with police officers every single day, all day. Judges do too. They are the primary, police are the primary witnesses in millions of cases that pass through the offices of prosecutors. The reports come from them. And police and prosecutors are so close. I used to say that police and prosecutors were like the left hand and right hand on the same body, but they are literally just fingers on the same hand. They work together. They are members of the same team. Let me give you a real transparent analogy. Just for a minute, think of the one human being you love on earth more than anybody else. For me, it would be, it would be my wife or my mother or my babies. Now, Say the one human being you love on earth more than anybody else, say they broke the law. And say the authorities put you in charge of the investigation of your loved one. And you got to decide what the charges were going to be. You even got to decide whether or not the case was dropped. You could just drop all charges. What do you think you'd do? If it was your decision and your decision alone. Now, I'm going to be real with you. If I was in charge of investigating my own mother and I had the power to drop the charges against my mother, I had the authority to do that. If I had the power to maybe tuck the evidence against my mother away, I have that power. Just put it in a file somewhere. I might do it. And it's dumb for you and it's dumb for any of us to expect me to be fair and balanced if I'm in charge of investigating my own mother. Do you know what I'm trying to say here? Because that's what we see with police and prosecutors. They were supposed to be protecting Sandra Bland and her family, 
But police and prosecutors are so close that they really only end up protecting each other. And they kind of have the power to do so. I'm going to close today with three policy ideas that I just want to put into your mind that could solve this problem. And it would really address many of the issues that we're dealing here in Sandra Bland's arrest and her eventual death in custody. The first idea is this. Nothing is stronger than a civilian review board, a board of local people that review the conduct of police and prosecutors that has full subpoena power and has the binding power to indict and bring charges. Now, these are actually being built in a few major cities right now, and we're still searching for the right model that has the strongest powers. And of course, police and prosecutors fight back against them. But we need civilian review boards everywhere. The second idea is this. District attorney's offices really need a hard, separate division, a completely different office that monitors and prosecutes police and prosecutor misconduct. They have to somehow function autonomously apart from the machine so that they can be unbiased and hold people accountable. You can't have the everyday colleagues of police being the ones who prosecute them. It just doesn't work. And that's what we saw in this case. Lastly is this, and this is a thing that all of our listeners could help with. We need to change the laws city by city, county by county, piece by piece, and begin stripping police of their broad powers to use force anytime and every time they feel like it. This officer should have only been allowed to give Sandra Bland a ticket and move the hell on, period. But the law gives cops, particularly in most cities and counties in this situation, gives cops broad, nebulous powers to harass people and to abuse them. And we have to really break this down and define what police can and cannot do in a much more specific way. And I'd love for us to build these plans together. How does that sound? Now listen, I've got to run, but I'm going to be sure to update you all if I hear anything else about Sandra's case. Her family is calling for this case to be reopened, the case of the initial police officer, Brian Encinia, to be reopened, and I agree with them on all of that. Break it Thank you all for making it all the way through this episode of The Breakdown. If you haven't already subscribed to our podcast, we'll be right back here every single weekday, breaking down important news stories and issues. And we'd love for you to subscribe on your favorite podcast app, like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or really any podcast app. Please share this podcast with your friends and family, because our next goal is to get to 100,000 subscribers, and we're just not going to get there without you. Have you left a review yet? Because on Apple Podcasts, we now have over 5,000 five-star reviews, but we're aiming for 10,000. And so we still want to hear from you. Just leave your best review when you get some time. Of course, thank you to the nearly 30,000 founding members of the North Star, whose generosity even makes this podcast possible. We love and appreciate each of you so very much. 
And if you love this podcast and you want to support our work, or you want to see the show notes and transcripts for each episode, we'd love it if you'd consider becoming a founding member of our community. And you can do that today at thenorthstar.com. There we not only have our podcast, but hundreds of original articles and stories and commentaries from some of the leading scholars and thinkers and journalists in the world. Lastly, a shout out to our podcasting director and senior producer, Willis, for his hard work on this and every episode. Take care, everybody. Break it down. For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg. And real cheese folded over the side, looking just so good. Mmm, mmm, grilled onions and a butter bagel, too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mmm, ba 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 I participate in McDonald's.